Hey, let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, we are just so grateful that we get to come here today, that we get to worship you, that we get to read from your word. And God, I am very aware of the fact that my words can't change anyone's life, but only your words can. Only your Holy Spirit working in us can truly transform us. And so today, our prayer is that we leave this place looking a little bit more like you. That we wouldn't walk out of here just doing the exact same things or thinking the exact same way. And God, we just open ourselves up in this moment and say, Lord, speak. Shape us, mold us, make us look more and more like Jesus today. In your precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, there's a story of little Johnny, if you guys have heard this one. But little, little Johnny goes to Sunday school. And all of a sudden, you know, he's talking to the teacher, and the teacher's talking about prayer and how you can ask God for things in prayer. And so little Johnny goes home, and he asks God for a brand-new bike. Well, he comes back the next week and goes, hey, teach, what's going on? I didn't get a new bike. And the teacher's like, well, that's not how prayer works exactly. See, God isn't just like a vending machine that you can just ask him, and he just gives you whatever you want. But what he can give you, he'll always give you. He'll always give you forgiveness. He'll always give you salvation through his son. All these things you can come to ask for him. But as you're walking with him, you'll start to you know, see more blessings. And God will answer prayers in his own way because he's God and you're not. And Johnny goes, okay, I think I get it. The teacher's like, I'm not sure if you do. But he's like, no, I got it. I got it. So he leaves, comes back the next week, rides to school on a brand new bicycle. The teacher's like, wow, where'd you get the new bicycle? He's like, well, I heard you last week, loud and clear. So I went, and on my way home, I stole a bicycle and asked God for forgiveness. <laughs> you know, sometimes in our world, it can feel like that's kind of how we view God. Like, God is good to give me salvation. He can give me forgiveness. I can pray for these things over here. But overall, I'm just going to do stuff myself. And then kind of God and I can kind of check in later and see if maybe I'm living okay. And for the most part... So many times we can try to live our Christian life by our own efforts, by our own works, by our own things. And unfortunately, what can happen in that is we get to a place where we have churches all over America where we have a lot of powerless Christians who are trying to fix things on their own, who are trying to make things happen by themselves. And then people get frustrated because, man, nothing's really happening. I'm not changing. I'm not seeing this life change or this power. I'm not seeing the miracles that the, the Bible talks about. And they get frustrated and they go, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. See, we've been in this series called the Holy Spirit because we believe that anything that comes from God, any powerful moment of revival, healing, life change, whatever it is, if we want to see God move in a mighty and powerful way, it involves walking by his Holy Spirit in every single area of our life. As we see all throughout Acts and in the early church and all throughout the Bible, God's Holy Spirit is what brings about change and revival and amazing and incredible things beyond what we can possibly think or imagine. And so we've been walking through this series, and today we're closing it up. We've been talking about who is the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about how to walk by the Holy Spirit, how to listen to the Holy Spirit. But today, we're going to talk about something. We're, we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 3, if you want to get your Bibles out and join me there. And I want to talk about something. A lot of times when it comes to the miraculous things in the Bible, we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about life change, we talk about these things, those are great. But the Bible also talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit will do amazing miracles, will do amazing things, will give gifts. 
And today I want to talk about some of the heart conditions that I think are so important to seeing a movement of God, whether it's a healing, whether it's a revival, whether it's a life change, whether it's God speaking through you to someone, whatever it is, I want to talk about some things that I think are so incredibly important to God working through your life. How many people would like to see God work through their life in a mighty and powerful way? Does anybody see that? I I love that. So today we're going to look at something in Acts chapter 3, if you want to join me there. And this is right after Acts chapter 2, if any of you struggle with math. And Acts chapter 2, we've already talked about this in this series, right? It's the the day of Pentecost. The day when the Holy Spirit shows up and it says the the Holy Spirit added thousands of people to their number. And and the church is growing and exploding. And then it's zoomed out of what God's doing in the church. And now it zooms in in Acts chapter 3 and says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So people are going, and they have gifts to give to the temple. He knows, hey, this is a good business opportunity. If I hang out right here, they might give me some cash. And he says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened to him. I want to pull a couple of things out of this story that I think are so important to seeing a movement of God. And the first one is this, that I noticed right away in the story. God seems to always, or seems to show up the most when we have no distractions. When we're paying attention. Turn to someone around you right now and say, hey, pay attention. See, in verse 4 it says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter says, hey, look at us. It's interesting. There, there were probably thousands of people in this area going to the temple. There, there's probably thousands of people that have walked by this man, but all of a sudden Peter and John suddenly zoom in on him and give them all their attention and ask for his attention back for God to do something. See, what's interesting is they were kind of busy in this moment. It says, where, where were they going? To the temple, right? It says, at the time of prayer. Now, I don't, maybe I'm reading something into the text, but it says, at the time of prayer. And just knowing how, how you read about Peter, I, I just kind of read that as, like, it was time to be there for prayer, and they're trying to get there. Anybody ever, like, run late for church, and then, like, you get in there, and you start worshiping, and you're like, oh, Father God, well, first of all, I am really sorry. I want to repent for everything I said to my family trying to get them here today. <laughs> like, have you ever have that moment where you're like, man, I got to get, get going. Let's go. They're trying to get there to church and, or to, to prayer at the temple. And yet, in the midst of all that, they see someone. Like, it's so interesting. Like, in the midst of all this stuff. And, and then on top of that, like, it's Peter and John. Do y'all remember the last time Peter and John were recorded together going somewhere? 
That, that was going to, the, to the, going to the grave on Easter. And it specifically, John went ahead and recorded that he ran faster than Peter. So, like, you got to be wondering in this moment how much they're just kind of, like, walking along together, like, trying to, like, make sure the other one doesn't get ahead of them. Like, they're in a hurry. And then all of a sudden, this person just draws their attention. I find that so interesting. They have somewhere to go, and yet suddenly Peter's eyes just go to this guy who's asking for money. And he zooms in in this moment. And I think the reason he did that, the reason that Peter could see people, was because the Holy Spirit was working in him to see people the way that Jesus did. I don't know know if you guys know this, but there's a big difference between looking at people and seeing people. And Jesus was so good at this. I think a verse that sums up all of Jesus' ministry in a lot of ways is in Matthew 14. It says that as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to, the remote, to a remote area, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And then it says this, Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Some of you may be familiar with the term. Jesus saw people, had compassion, met their needs. Jesus was so good at seeing people. Jesus didn't look just look past people. He actually saw people. And if we ever want God to work through us to other people, the thing is, God will never be able to work through us to other people if we don't see other people. If we're too busy doing our own thing, if we're too busy focused on our own life, we may never see the person that God wants us to impact. We may never see the person that God wants to work through us to. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, we probably have all heard this verse, maybe even got a cross-stitch pillow at home with it on. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I love that part of the verse because for a long time, I think I was focused on, first, first thing I was focused on as a young Christian was, God can work all things for the good. And then somewhere along the way, I was like, well, God can work all things for the good of those who love him. So let me make sure I love God, but then he says the final part, and those who are called according to his purpose. Not my purpose, not your purpose, God's purpose. And sometimes when I'm in the middle of life and I'm in the middle of doing things, I can get really focused on my purpose and I can miss God's purpose. In fact, there are moments where I become really, really frustrated with some people. And the largest reason is because I was focused on my purposes and I missed God's purpose for them. There's any time that I'm getting frustrated and have a, a relational conflict with someone, I, I can almost guarantee you that I've missed the purpose that God has for my life. And the thing is, I, I think if Peter had thought that way, was only thinking about his own purposes in life, he could have completely missed, missed this person, this moment. If he wasn't led by the Holy Spirit, he could have missed this completely. I mean, think about it. He's going, we'll just assume for this part of the story, he's running late. I just like putting that in there. So he's going, he's trying to get there on time. Now this guy's coming up here and saying, hey, can I have money? Well, what was Peter's answer? Silver or gold, I have not. So now he's late and broke. And this guy's reminding him of that. Like, listen, I got to get going. Leave me alone. Like, imagine if he was focused on his own purposes. His response could have been something like, listen, if God would just give me that new job I've been asking for, then maybe I could help you. Maybe if I just had some more time, then maybe I can help you. Problem is, if we're focused on those things, we're never going to see the amazing and good things that God wants to do in our life. 
I have had the incredible privilege of seeing so many people that God has, has just completely and totally transformed in amazing and incredible ways. And I don't know if you ever read those stories of people that, like, that God has just completely transformed. They talk about those people that walk with him through the rough stuff, through the whatever it is, drugs, jail, whatever. They just walk through him through all this stuff, and you think, what would it be like to be there? And I've had the incredible privilege of getting to see some of those things up close. Now, I'll tell you what, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's easy to miss what God's doing. Like, it's really easy to look at someone and go, ooh, they're sketchy. Because I, I found this, God likes to work in sketchy. God doesn't like to work in perfectly gift-wrapped, you know, amazing pedigrees. It seems like God always goes after the Peters who like to run their mouth and chop people's ears off, you know? Not that Peter, but that Peter too. The thing is, it's amazing what God can do with someone that the world says is a little sketchy or isn't quite up to snuff. I love the moment where Samuel's going up to, to Jesse's house after God has told him, listen, I'm going to choose a new king, so I want you to go choose this new king. And so he goes in there, and, and, and God's speaking to him throughout the whole thing. This is important. God's, God's speaking through his Holy Spirit, speaking in Samuel's spirit here quietly. And he says, he says, go to Jesse's house. I'm going to anoint a new king. And so Jesse gets in there. Or Jesse comes in and lines up all of his sons, all his good-looking, strapping young sons. And the first one that Samuel lays eyes on is the oldest. Like, this kid is, like, tall, handsome, muscular. Like, like imagine me. Like, I mean, basically, that's what it looked like, right? I mean, just, <laughs> I'm, that, just absolutely, absolute stud. And Samuel's like, well, this has to be the guy. God's like, no, not him. God, God just pretty much just swipes left on everybody. Gets through all the sons. No, 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 no. And then Samuel's finally turned to Jesse like, all right, you got anything in the back? Like, we're out of sons. And he says, oh, I got one more. He's out in the field. So they bring him in. As many of you know, his name was David. And David was a man after God's own heart, but no one really knew it just yet of what God was going to do through him because he was still a boy. He didn't quite match up with the standards that they were looking for for a king at that moment, but God would do something amazing. And the problem is, so often in our life, if we're focused on our own purposes and plans and not having seeing people the way that Jesus does and listening to the Holy Spirit, we can start to focus on the big, tall, strapping sons and miss the David that God wants to change everything with. We can get too focused on trying to get all our things done and getting places on time and getting to the temple on time for our time of prayer, and we can completely miss the person that's sitting here begging that doesn't seem to be worthy of our time. The thing is, in our life, if we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we can miss the miracle that God's going to do. We have to be in a place where we have no distractions. We set them aside, and we're sensitive to what God wants to do in our life. The second thing I see in this is that God really seems to show up in moments when people have no other options. Peter says, silver and gold, I do not have. Like the guy comes to him and says, listen, I need money. And without the Holy Spirit, I mean, Peter would have been like, well, that's great. Me too, because I don't have any. But it's in that moment when he has nothing that he's actually able to do something more than he could ever think or imagine. See, oftentimes in life, circumstances will demand things of us that we don't have. He's asked for money, but sometimes I've found this, that sometimes God will guide in the things that he doesn't provide. 
Like sometimes God will guide us by the things that he doesn't provide. If God had provided Peter with a whole bunch of money in that moment, it would have been really easy for Peter to go, oh yeah, sure, take a coin. And maybe even Peter's walking along going, man, I wish I had some more money. But God's like, no, I got something even more powerful. I got my Holy Spirit in you. And so for some of us, we get so focused on the things we don't have that we miss the fact that God wants to show up in a mighty and powerful way in our life. And it's in those moments when we have nothing else and we come before God and we say, God, I can't do this on my own. And we bring it to him. That Those are the moments where we see God show up in a mighty and powerful way and do something beyond what we could possibly think or imagine. And I've often heard people talk about this. Like, why is it that... You know, you, you go to third world countries and you see, you hear people come back from there. Like, you know, people go on mission trips and they're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like, I, we saw people, you know, being raised from the dead. We saw people walking that were lame. And we, oh my gosh, it was so incredible. Why don't we see that here? There's a lot of reasons for that. But one of them, I think, is this. Sometimes I think we, we often get into a place in America where, what do we need God to show up for? In our own minds. Like outside of salvation, sometimes we have everything we think we need, and we get so full. I mean, I have enough food. Don't need to pray for that. God, I, I have a roof over my head. I got, you know, some jingle in my pocket to go have some entertainment. Sometimes we get so focused on all these things, we miss out on what God really wants to do, because ultimately God wants to give us eternal life through Christ Jesus. But sometimes we can get to this place where we think that we have everything that we need. See, God shows up in moments when we're expecting that he can do something. We have no other options. God doesn't like to be second fiddle. God doesn't like to be Robin to the your Batman. He, he likes to be the main person because he's deserving and worthy of it. There's a, there's a moment in Judges chapter 7. You know the story of Gideon. Gideon was this guy who suddenly is tasked with, with fighting the Midianites. And in this moment, God brings up this guy that it's kind of a, not the guy you'd expect, once again. And suddenly in this moment, Gideon does, says, okay, God's going to help me fight the Midianites. So he does what you and I would logically do. He goes out and he gets as many people as he can to go fight the Midianites. Seems logical, right? And, and suddenly God comes to him and says, we got a problem with the number. And you got to wonder if, if Gideon's thinking, oh, you need more? Yeah, I, I know. I'll try to get more. I'll try to get more. God's like, no, no, no. You need less. What? I need less people to fight the giant army that's outside our gates? No, you, you need less. He says, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into, their, into your hands. Or Israel would boast against me, saying, my own strength has saved me. See, sometimes we want to try to fix everything as much as we can on our own. Do all the things that we possibly can ourselves and God if you want to show up that's great but I got like a nine out of ten chance of solving it over here I'm gonna do everything I can but like you know if you want to show up that's fine that'd make my life a little easier see it's in the moments that we have nothing else that God always seems to show up it's just amazing how that works now does this mean we shouldn't try to fix things on our own does this mean that like man okay if you got cancer don't go to the hospital or does this mean you know if you need financial help don't go look for help from other people or from the church it, no, no, not at all. But what it does mean is that just like Gideon, we should have the heart that says, God, here's my army, here's what I'm doing, but God, if you want to change it in any way, it's all yours. 
God, the logical thing to do here is to just get up as many men as I can to go fight these dudes. But if you want to change that, God, you tell me to reduce the number, I'll reduce the number. God, the logical thing to do is to have a savings account that's this big. But God, if you tell me that I need to do something different, you want me to go give to that person? You want me to go bless this person? Okay, I'm in. It's the heart of Gideon that says, listen, God, I'm going to do some things, but all of them are subject to your approval and your changing through the Holy Spirit. However and however you work, God, I'm going to praise you for it. One of my favorite moments was, was the, uh, a time when I really felt like the Holy Spirit told me something that was just for me. I, I had this moment where I, I had the opportunity to pray for someone who I knew really well, and I was a, 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 in a large group of people that were praying for her. She'd just been diagnosed with cancer. And we go, and I had the incredible honor of, of anointing her with oil and praying over her. And I just, I don't know, there was something that just in my spirit that just said, hey, watch this. Like, this is going to be really cool. And I'm like, okay. And just kind of like, it, it just, it, I, I just sat back and I watched. And I watched her go through her chemo and she did all the things, went to the doctors and everything. And then all of a sudden, the doctors come back and they're like, wait, like, this shouldn't be happening, but you're already done. Like, your cancer's gone. And all of a sudden, she's a little sassy. She turns and she goes, yeah, because God healed me. Like, the first thing she did was praise God. And sometimes in our life, man, the first thing we do is praise science, which is only here because God's such an amazing creator that puts things together in such an incredible way. Or we praise medicine, which can only work because of the amazing rules that God has put together in the universe. I mean, I, I love medicine. I love science. I love it the more we dig into science because it shows us how incredibly amazing our God is. Sometimes I'm just going to preach a message where all I talk about is like how incredible it is that we're alive on this planet and we haven't exploded or been destroyed by an asteroid. Like there is a lot of really cool things about, especially as you get out in the world, it's like, Oh my gosh, we should not be alive. It's almost like we have a creator. But the thing is, God can work through anything in our life. The question is, are we going to praise him for it? One of my uh, favorite little stories I've heard for a lot of years, you may have heard it about the person who's trapped in a flood. You guys heard this one? And they, they, someone comes to him in like this big old lifted truck. You know, the water is just like up, like about a foot up. So this person comes up in a gigantic lifted truck. Like, hey, hey, get in, get in. We can still get out in time. And the person goes, no, I'm good. God's going to save me. I said, okay, they drove off. Next, the waters get up to about like four or five feet. They're having to be on the second floor of their house. And someone comes up in a boat and says, hey, get in, get in, get in. We can save you. Guy goes, no, it's fine. God's going to save me. Well, then finally, now the guy's on his roof because the water's getting so high. And a, and a Coast Guard helicopter shows up. And goes, hey, come on, grab the rope. We can, we can get you out of here. And the guy goes, no, it's fine. God's going to save me. Well, believe it or not, the guy drowns. And then he gets to heaven, and he turns to God, and he goes, God, what's going on? I thought you were going to save me. What happened? And God goes, I sent a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What else do you want? And I think in the same way, sometimes we forget the fact that God's working, whether it's through medicine, whether it's through things around us. We have a God that can work through anything and everything. The question is, are we going to praise him for it? Sometimes we want this holy, you know, chariot of fire moment where the chariot comes in and swoops us up when God's like, no, but I'm going to send you 
this person that I put in their spirit to go over here in that truck to save you. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to this person who's coming to speak a word into your life or to give to that need that you have. But are you going to actually praise me for it? Kind of like the person who was looking for their wallet. And they were like, God, if you just help me find my wallet, Lord, I'll do anything. God, I'll, I'll join. You know, I'll go to church finally and I'll, I'll do all these things. And I'll become a pastor. I'll go into ministry. I really need my wallet right now. Please, please. And suddenly like a thing falls over out of the blue and his wallet gets revealed and he's just in the middle of praying. He's like, oh, never mind, God, I found it. <laughs> Sometimes we do the same thing to God. We, we don't give him praise for everything that he's doing in our life. And it's really hard for God to show up in a miraculous way when he knows that we're not going to be giving him the praise. That leads me to the final thing that I, I think is so important in this story, that we have no glory for ourselves. And ultimately, the glory goes back to the person that it deserves to be in, which is Jesus and him crucified. Acts 3, verse 11. It says that while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. I love this because this is the moment when Peter could have really had a really nice big church. Or like his own TV show. Like everyone is super excited about him. Oh my gosh, he healed this person. And immediately, Peter's like, no, don't even think about it. It's not about me. It's about what God has done. And so often in our life, what we can do is people will come up to us and go, wow, you're just so nice or you're so kind or whatever it is. And I think we can miss out on the fact that God needs to be getting glory for everything that we do in our life. If God shows up in any way, in anything that we do, if the fruit of the Spirit is present any way in our life, God deserves honor and glory and praise for it. Amen. See, the Spirit's job, as we've read in John as we went through that, the, the Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus. And if we're glorifying ourselves, then we're not going to see the power of God's Spirit showing up in a mighty way because God's not going to show up in a place where He's not being glorified. See, so often in Christianity, we can often focus too much on one little thing or it's a very big thing it's the fact that god loves you god loves you so so much but sometimes we get to this place where we start to only read those scriptures in the bible and we almost get to this place in christianity where especially like my generation i come from the snowflake generation so oftentimes my generation's theology can just be like man god just loves me so much because i'm special I'm just so amazing. Like God was sitting in heaven and he was bored and lonely. And so he thought, why not create a Tim and other people like him? 
that will be these adulterous, idolatrous people who will constantly turn away from me at every single second, won't give me the glory that I deserve, and will constantly need me to come and rescue them and save them. And like sheep without a shepherd, they'll constantly need me to help them, and they may not even praise me for it. Who wouldn't want that? Like, we, we almost get to this place where we make it all about ourselves. Like, God loves me so much because I'm awesome. That's not true. God loves me because he's awesome. God saved me because he's awesome. And he deserves all the power and the glory for it. And sometimes in Scripture, we focus so much on, on, on how much God loves us, which is amazing and it's true. But then sometimes we forget the fact that it's not all about us. I love what it says in Psalm 23. I'm going to go through a couple of these. Psalm 23, we all know this passage probably. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for who? His name's sake. In 1 Samuel 12, God says, For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own for the sake of his name great name. And 1 Peter 2 says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify you? No. Glorify God on the day he visits us. Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You, we could go on. There's so many of these verses that go on and on and on about the fact that God is worthy of all the glory and the honor and the praise, and it's about Him and not me. And the thing is, everything will change in your life when it's about God's glory and not yours. Everything will change in your life if you stop focusing so much on what I'm getting out of it. But instead, it's about the fact that God is worthy of worship, and I'm going to worship him in all things. It's going to change everything for you. See, one of the main keys to seeing a work of God is a dependence on him and a worship of him. It's the fact that he gets all the glory and the honor and the praise. I think it's why... Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are spiritually poor. A great translation of that is blessed are those who understand their need for a God and that they're not him. See, I think a lot of times in our life, we don't see the miraculous because one of, for one thing, we tend to worship people who the Holy Spirit bestows with gifts more so then we do the, the we do God, like e- even in like a pastoral sense. Sometimes we can get so focused on, oh, this pastor's such a great preacher, or man, this person, man, God's working through them to heal people, and all of a sudden this person gets a huge platform. It's one of the things that I got to wrestle through in my own life. Thankfully, not that much because I'm not that good of a speaker. But the fact is, there, there's a lot of moments we can elevate people because of the gifts that God has done in their life, and we miss out on the fact that God is the one that should be worshipped for anything and everything that comes. Anything good in my life that comes out is Jesus Christ, is the Holy Spirit working in me. There's nothing that I can do that's of any value. Another reason I think we don't see the miraculous in our world is we just don't believe God still does them. We can often miss out on the fact that God is pretty clear in Scripture. He's still working and moving today. And other times I think it's because we rely on things other than the Holy Spirit. The thing is, whatever it is we want to see in our life, 
If we're walking by the Spirit, that's when we start to see God show up in a mighty and powerful way. Whether that's in areas where we need to see a miracle, or maybe it's in hearts that need to be changed, or maybe it's just in your workplace that seems like it's so dark and it just needs a a change from God, or that person that you've been praying for that desperately needs to meet Jesus, or that kid of yours that has been running away for a long time, and you just want to see God change him in a mighty way. Whatever it is, whatever the need is, whatever the desire of your heart is, I want to encourage you today that as we end out, that the most important thing you can do in your life and your walk with Jesus is to walk closer and closer to the Holy Spirit and listen to anything that he has to say. Because the Holy Spirit will lead you, will guide you, will convict you, the Bible says, and make you look more and more like Jesus. And so today I want to invite you to pray with me. And maybe as we've been going through this series, you've been in a spot where as we talk about being led by the Spirit or we talk about what it means to, to really listen to the Holy Spirit. We talk about what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. Maybe you're in a place where you think, man, I just don't have that. I want more of that, or I want more of this fruit of the Spirit in my life. I, I want to look more and more like Jesus in my life. I want to invite you today that if you're just in a spot where you want to see God move in your life, or you want to see the Holy Spirit show up more in your life, or maybe for the first time you're like, God, I don't, I'm not even sure if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you fill me? I want to invite you just in a moment just to raise your hand and and join me in a prayer. As we say, God, we can do nothing of value without your Holy Spirit working in us. We thank you for what your word says when Jesus said, it's better that I go away. You will do even greater things than these because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to fall on us as a church. I pray that it would move in a mighty and magnificent way in a way that truly transforms us and makes us the kind of people that look like you everywhere that we go. If any person in this place is just desiring for that, to be have more of your spirit, God, spirit, I pray you'd fall. I pray you'd change us. I pray you'd work. And I pray we'd see things beyond we could possibly comprehend. God, we just want more of you. We just want to draw closer and closer to you. We just want to be your church. We just want to be your people. We just want to have an impact for you, Father. God, we are so thankful for who you are and how you're working. Our Father who art in heaven, we give honor and glory and praise to your name. We pray that your kingdom would come, not ours. We pray that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, thank you for the fact today you've given us our daily bread. Would you forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us? Lord, would you lead us not into temptation? By your spirit, would you help us to walk away from that temptation and look even more like you? Would you deliver us from evil? Because, God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you so much. I want to invite you to worship together. We're going to have a moment as we worship. And I want to invite you that if you, any way that, man, you, you feel being led to worship today, whether it's singing, raising your hands, kneeling, whatever that looks like. We're here for that. We also have people at either cross that would love to pray for you in anything, whether you're making a decision today, whether you're stepping forward in something, whether we can pray for you in an area, we'd love to do that with you. Church, let's continue to worship together.